I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. My guest this week is Laura Kraber, co-founder of Fluid, a gender-inclusive beauty startup that offers lines of affordable, high-quality, non-toxic cosmetics. Fluid's mission is to increase the visibility of trans, non-binary, and gender-fluid individuals while promoting a new definition of beauty, healthy self-expression, and positive self-image. Founded by Laura and her partner Isabella Giancarlo in 2018, the Brooklyn-based brand donates a portion of sales to LGBTQ nonprofits. Fluid also looks to pay tribute to the importance of safe spaces for the LGBTQ community by naming colorful lip and nail shades after queer spaces around the globe. Here is my conversation with Laura. Laura, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for coming with me to chat on The Brand is Female today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I usually like to start these conversations and ask my guests to uh, remember as a kid growing up, what did you expect you'd be doing later in life? And did you ever imagine you'd own your own beauty company one day? I had no idea. Yeah, my my path has been circuitous for sure. Um, I was uh, a big reader as a child, and I always wanted to be a librarian. <laughs> as boring as that sounds, I grew up in a, a household of classical musicians, so I really didn't know anything about business, and I certainly never would have imagined that um, I would end up owning a business of any kind, let alone a beauty business. Um, I guess as I got older in my high school and college years, I um, really transformed in, into more of a do-gooder and I was really interested in helping, you know, make the world a better place. Uh, I felt strongly that we all have a responsibility to contributing positively to our communities and I became a public school high school teacher. So that was my first career was working uh, in the public schools and, and that was what I focused on in my undergraduate years. Um, and, you know, that path didn't work out for me. I was very disillusioned working in the schools and left thinking, well, you know, when I get older, I'll go back to teaching. I still have not gone back. Um, but uh, I, I ended up finding a path into digital technologies, online content, online community building, just based on the virtue of my timing of how old I was in my 20s as I was casting around for what to do with my life and myself and my time. Um, that was sort of the early stage of Web 1.0 in the mid-90s, late 90s. And so I got swept up into that whole internet startup world in New York City, which was really fun and exciting back then. Um, and that sort of started my career journey. Love that. And uh, so from moving, obviously, from the startup world to launching your own beauty brand uh, that has a specific focus on uh, being genderless and uh, really being a brand for all. Uh, so what, you know, help us fill the gap there. What triggered the, uh, the idea for you to take on that path? It was a bit of a path, a long journey, I would say. Um, and I think that two things really came together. And, and one was that I was working at a health and wellness startup um, that just had a really 
vibrant, great community online. Um, the business was built in the early days of Facebook um, when it was just much easier to build a community for a business, much cheaper, much easier. And um, I was really in, excited by what that was like to you know, create content, build community, and also have a business that supported all of that great work through selling products. Um, at the same time, I was raising kids in New York City and uh, my teenagers who are now 16 and 18, but uh, back in 2017, when I started thinking about the idea for We Are Fluid, um, they were much younger. Do the math on that, I guess. <laughs> but at any rate, <laughs> I, uh, I, was just, I was just really impressed with how many young people I knew that were um, really questioning their gender identity and experimenting with gender expression. And, mm. you know, being in Brooklyn, which is very liberal and amongst my friend base, um, kids, you know, were coming out uh, as part of the queer community, you know, at very young ages, you know, to very supportive families. And I just felt like there was this huge shift going on in our culture and our society around uh, self-expression and gender identity and queer identities. And it just, I was kind of surprised that there were no products or online communities or that much online content um, in the same way that I saw so clearly what was happening in the health and wellness space, you know. Um, and I just, you know, the more I kind of looked at it and the more I, I was very intrigued, especially by a lot of the narratives around um, trans identities, uh, a lot of the wonderful memoirs that have been written um, by young people and their parents around that journey. Um, I just, I was just so blown away by these kids at such a young age, um, really creating a whole new way of thinking of, of gender and of self. And I also believe strongly that that impacts all of us, you know, even for me as a cisgender woman, that freedom from these strictures of gender and these kind of rigid um, categories, this binary that is quite oppressive um, for all of us, but we take it for granted. And all of a sudden I just said, wow, this younger generation is going to change the world. And I just wanted to be a part of that in any way that I could. Uh, and I saw makeup as being such a key part of how young people uh, express themselves. And um, it just seemed like a natural thing. And so I kept assuming that there was a brand like what I envisioned that must already exist. And I, you know, looked for it and didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. why I just, I just felt like somebody needs to do this. And if nobody else is going to do it, I think it'll be me. <laughs> and um, tell me about, you know, obviously you, you, you didn't have, I don't think you had previous experience in beauty specifically. Um, and we know that a lot of them, you know, the, the, the beauty brand is, is uh, uh, very much filled with kind of the large companies who typically have the, the monopoly on, on cosmetics and beauty in, in today's world. As, so what was that like trying to build the, the, the company from the ground up, not coming from that industry specifically yourself? Well, I don't think I would have done it if I had come from the industry. You know, um, right. I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of people who do crazy things, uh, will look back and say, if I had known then what I know now, I never would have done what I've done. And that certainly is the case. I, I really didn't understand the beauty industry. I didn't realize how competitive it was, how expensive it is to get a brand launched and um, how much marketing money is required to just kind of cut through uh, the noise. Uh, and I think I was also part of a trend in that 
a lot of indie brand indie brands were becoming more and more popular. More people were starting their own brands. Um, you know, ten years ago, we didn't see so many small brands, so many influencers and celebrities starting their own beauty brands. Whereas in the last few years, that's just, you know, every day mm. it feels like there's a new brand. So I was, you know, I didn't realize I was part of a trend. I thought I was very unique. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't think I would have, you know, it, it's, it's been really challenging. And I think it's just a testament to the beauty of the idea and the purity of the spirit of our brand, which is really focused on supporting young people and showcasing and celebrating underrepresented identities in beauty. And I, I guess I'm still shocked that nobody else is really in our space. You know, mm -hmm. that was always my fear. Once, you know, we, we launched, I, I kind of, I pulled together a little bit of friends and family money to get off the ground. Um, we uh, have been fortunate, you know, being based in New York City, we have an incredible, you know, wealth of talent mm -hmm. here in terms of photographers and designers and stylists and a lot of makeup artists who have helped us from the beginning, um, ideating and thinking through our product line. And um, so I, you know, I, we were able to be really scrappy and, and kind of get out there and we got some initial press attention, which helped us. And um, we started growing and then, you know, gradually I realized how tricky it would be to really um, be a successful uh, makeup company in the context mm -hmm. of the industry. Um, that being said, you know, we do have a somewhat of a, like a cult following and um, that has sustained us. And I think our values and our purpose and our mission um, keep us going and keep people excited. Um, but yeah, I don't think I had any idea what I was getting into. <laughs> And, and sometimes it's the best blessing we can ask for, right? A little bit of innocence and uh, 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 being naive a little bit serves us as entrepreneurs when we're kicking things off. Um, did you, I mean, you come from um, the, the startup, the tech startup industry. Um, so you had, uh, you had been surrounded by entrepreneurs and you, you had worked in the business world yourself, but um, were there role models specifically who inspired you, uh, perhaps, you know, women or, or, or non-binary people who were kind of, you know, business icons or entrepreneurs that you looked up to and inspired you on this journey a little bit, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I've been inspired by so many people, you know, so I think initially, yes, for sure. I Not necessarily non-binary entrepreneurs, but people, activists and writers, um, someone like Jacob Tobaya, who is someone I had been following from early on before Fluid launched, um, and who was always so generous and thoughtful. And I communicated with them and, and asked them to join our, one of our first campaigns as a model, um, which was beautiful. And, you know, I was so happy to finally meet them in person. Um, so there's a, just a ton of artists and activists and writers and thinkers in the queer community who are talking about gender expansive identities and trans identities. And those people have truly been the inspiration for the brand. And we try to feature them and talk about them and provide any kind of platform we can to support their work. But they're not typically business people. Um, yeah. I have been really fortunate to be part of a few different entrepreneur groups, female founders, uh, especially. And that has been my, you know, I really don't think I would still be doing this if I didn't have that kind of network of people supporting me. Um, and then through the business, we've met people, you know, we try to 
connect with other queer focused brands or indie brands focused on a, a purpose driven mission, whether that's sustainability or, um, you know, also focused around representation. Um, and, you know, those people have been just instrumental to me keeping going, you know, just those kind of, whether it's an ad hoc conversation or it's actual tactical advice about something, or it's learning, you know, a freelancer that they use that's really helped them with their, you know, PR or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's really been a community project. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And tell me about what makes Fluid, um, you know, kind of specifically geared towards um, that concept of, of genderlessness and, and really the, the queer community overall. I, I think one, one could argue that, you know, beauty brands, uh, they're, they're, there's a few brands that kind of have that positioning maybe weren't created with that intent in the first place. But obviously makeup has been used by uh i think a, a lot of uh, folks from this community who who use beauty and makeup as a way to you know express their their identity and and show the world who they are uh so what did you want to make sure you addressed with how fluid is built and 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 the products that compose the brand as well well i think it's a few different things that kind of come together there's you know on the on the one side it's really about the representation and it's about um, we want to inspire broad definitions of beauty. We want to promote positive self-image uh, and create space for a diversity of faces and voices and identities. And so through our campaigns and the visuals that we create, whether that's, you know, photos or, or videos, um, we want to always be um, featuring gender expansive identities, trans identities, queer identities, um, and showcasing the kinds of people that are not in beauty campaigns, and that includes black and brown faces um, and men or people who uh, are assigned male at birth and may, mm -hmm. you know, be non-binary, you know, all sorts of different identities. Are, are, so that's really what's central to our mission is saying, you know, you can't be what you can't see is, is a great quote from Marion Wright Edelman. Yeah. And, and that's like yeah. a big part of what we do. It's like we're putting it out there. We're making people feel seen. We're showcasing people in a traditionally gorgeous, lush beauty campaign with beautiful photography, beautiful lighting, beautiful makeup. Um, and these are people who are not ever featured in beauty campaigns by any other brand. So that is at the core of what we're doing. And then some other sort of other important pieces of that are really thinking through the product line. Um, how does that suit our audience? Um, so I'm a big believer, like makeup is makeup, skincare is skincare. The re you know, to differentiate this deodorant is for a man and this is for a woman or this yeah. moisturizer is for a man. Like none of that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And it's just a way for companies to make more money selling double the products. Um, not to mention, what does it mean to be a man or what does it mean to be a woman? Like those categories don't really exist for me in mm -hmm. the same way that I think I was raised to think they do. Um, so we're just thinking... What is your relationship to makeup? What is your relationship to beauty? And how can we create products that make you feel safe and welcomed and nurtured and uh, beautiful? So for a lot of us, we have a history. You know, we have baggage, perhaps. You know, we were, you know, so I think for someone like me, 
or for an assigned female at birth, feminine person, there's just, there's a lot of policing that goes on. Some people grow up with, with parents and grandparents and family members who, oh, you you know, put on some lipstick. Oh, you don't look, you don't look right, you know, mm. or, you know, lose yeah. the weight or, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Mm. What does it mean to be female? Like we've, we've never been enough. We're never good enough. We're never thin enough, um, blonde enough, you know, whatever the thing is. So, you know, in some way, beauty has been cruel and punitive. And that is something that I think a lot of women carry within them. And then I think for a lot of male identified people who like makeup, you know, it was either shamed or forbidden or, you know, all sorts of issues around, around that bullied as young people. So we're trying to create a space where people can feel welcomed and safe and good. Um, and part of that is just really through representation and part of that is through creating products that are easy to use, that are not intimidating. Um, we have a, what's called our universal line and we have universal crayons, universal glosses and universal liners. And those are all created for lip eye cheek. So it's a crayon, it's kind of a chunky crayon that you can use as an eyeshadow or an eye crayon or as a highlighter or blush, depending on the shade or as a lip, lip color, you know? so. Things like that where you're like, hey, I'm going to buy this one thing and I'm going to find a way that I can use it that feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And congratulations for what you've created with the brand. And I think you're achieving that goal of representation very well because that and I'm, I'm, I was lucky enough to be sent some of the products. So, you know, everything from, uh, you know, how the brand introduces itself uh, through uh, your website and online and, and social media and the, the, the representation really comes through um, and it does that does feel different than what most beauty brands are doing right now. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Do you find that, you know, there, I think there's a, there's a few beauty brands that are trying to make an effort or maybe we could say it's performative because there's a commercial goal of, you know, going after the, the queer community, the trans community. Um, but we've or I've noticed an increase in marketing campaigns recently by beauty brands who, you know, are using uh, trans folks or um even taking advantage, or I shouldn't say taking advantage, but um, showcasing the drag community or, you know, going after a, um, a kind of a, a gender fluid identity in, in general. Um, but do you find that, you know, progress is being made by the industry? Or are you surprised that we're still, you know, we're still at this place? You talked about how you can't believe there's not more brands in your space doing the same thing that you are doing. But what about the rest of the beauty industry right now? What's your view on that? It's a great question. I think it's really interesting. And I actually do feel optimistic, I would say. I do feel that there is a real change going on in the industry. Um, I think 2020 and all the tumult and um, kind of, you know, everything that we went through in 2020, I think changed a lot of companies and made them really have to 
think more deeply about representation um, and equity and equality and um, inclusion. So I think that brands today can't afford to leave as many people out as they have in the past, and they can't afford to project these very limited, idealized visions of beauty. I mean, Victoria's Secret is a, a great case study when you mm. think about, you know, the journey that they've been on and the Victoria's Secret angels and how they've transformed. And, you know, just a few years ago, their creative director or whoever it was uh, who defended their choices, you know, now they're no longer with the company. They've totally changed their whole their whole kind of attitude and, and um, brand initiative. So, so yes, I do think there is change. I do think that for a lot of companies, it is, you know, following a trend or checking a box and it's not necessarily authentic or real. Um, mm -hmm. But to some level for a young person, for a 12 year old kid who's seeing a campaign, I don't know how much it matters to that little, you know, that young person, if, if something's not truly authentic or, you know, some corporate person is saying, oh, we have to do this to be acceptable to Gen Z, you know, it's still a good thing that that happened. <laughs> um, right, right. You know, yeah. that being said, I, you know, we are living in just incredibly kind of in a hyper capitalist state where, you know, the bottom line is what drives everything. And um, so so companies are going to do what they think will impact their sales. And, you know, we're a little bit different as a small, you know, basically self-funded business. We, we can kind of make our own choices and we can put our values first and, and we can do things sort of against the grain and try to survive and thrive and grow through building much more slowly and through spending much less and through kind of gradually kind of creating this online community that will hopefully support us and keep, you know, enable us to keep expanding our product line and selling products so that we can keep growing and surviving, but we don't have to answer to shareholders and, you know, mm -hmm. we're not in a position like so many of these giant brands. What kind of role do you think the consumers play today? And, and I think, you know, you're right in pointing out that as long as we are in this hyper capitalist uh, stance and as long as it is about, you know, revenue and profit first and foremost, we're, we're not necessarily <clears throat> going to see that that much change or that fast of a change take place. So how can consumers help make a difference? I mean, obviously supporting, you know, supporting your brand, but I do believe that, you know, when we buy, we vote, right? So what kind of actions would you like consumers to be doing on a daily basis to help move the needle when it comes to, you know, true representation and, and support of a, uh, a diverse beauty uh, and, and cosmetics industry? I think it's interesting to me as a mom, I think that you really start thinking through your choices of how you spend your money when you have children and you're like, you know, what, what is, if I have this amount of money that I can spend, like what, what matters, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and as I was saying, I worked at a health and wellness startup. I come, I had had sort of some nutritional training. Um, for me, it was like, okay, your health depends so much on the food you eat. So this is a, this is an area we're not going to skimp on. We're going to, we're going to invest in uh, healthy food, you know, and it costs a lot more, whether that means it's organic or it's grass-fed meat or it's, you know, whatever the thing is, it's going to cost more. And I feel like a lot of parents of a certain income class, you know, if you are privileged enough to be able to be making choices about what you eat, 
that is something that happens to you um, when you have children. You get much more mindful. Um, and we see that a lot with, you know, wooden toys or less plastic right. or, you know, and, and so I think, and we see that a lot with um, sustainability, with eco-consciousness, right? That electric car is going to cost more, but you're, you're, you're voting with your, with your dollars. You're, you're expressing your values through how you spend your money. Um, so I think that that's all that we can do as consumers to some degree. Yes, we can advocate. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do on a personal level in our communities. Um, but at the end of the day, just buying the products that share your values goes a long way and right. not just buying the cheapest thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think it's um, it's also, and this is something I find the, the younger generation is doing really well, but using digital channels, so for, 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 for those who are active on social media, right? Making a point of, um, not only talking about the brands that they they support for for the reasons you just mentioned, but also that representation comes through. I think through personal social media as well, right? So, um, and I think it's it's nice to see in the beauty industry. Um, I'm always amazed at the young activists who use social platforms for their activism and really be outspoken and sharing the message. And I think that's certainly pushing pressure on on brands, on governments, but really influencing uh, the rest of, of us watching basically and making different decisions, right? Right, right. And I think that's part of what, what I find so inspiring about kids today or Gen Z in general and young millennials is that they are willing to speak out Uh, they listen to each other. Mm -hmm. They're cognizant of how much they're marketed to. I mean, I think about someone like me and the way I grew up and, you know, I just grew up with a fraction of the advertising and marketing mm. that, you know, my kids have grown up with, right. you know, I mean, just having a smartphone from age 12 or 13 on, um, doing research for school on the internet and getting all the ads or, you know, whatever it is, it's just having your social life exist online. Um, It's just they have been marketed to so relentlessly from such a young age that, of course, they're going to be savvy and cynical mm -hmm. and hopefully thoughtful and um, mindful of, of, you know, what to do with all that messaging um, in a way that, you know, someone like me really didn't have to be conscious of until I was much older. Mm. Can you tell me about maybe some of the... And, and I'm sure there's someone on a weekly or even daily basis, but maybe one of the bigger challenges that you've had to overcome since launching your business. And maybe it's something you hadn't foreseen that you'd be facing. And I'm curious to know how you overcame that, uh, that challenge or obstacle. I think, I mean, so many challenges, so many obstacles, you know, really about how to spend how to spend our time, how to spend our money. You know, we have such limited amounts of both. Um, so that's kind of like the framework in which we're always making decisions. I think um, we create beautiful content and then we don't always have the money to make sure that it gets seen by anybody, whether that's through marketing dollars or PR campaigns. Um, so that's something I think about a lot is like, I look back at some of the work that we created in our early days and just how few people saw that, you know, that beautiful pride campaign or our first holiday campaign and, and things like that. Um, and so that's, I guess the biggest challenge was like thinking that this brand could survive and thrive without raising any money. And, and so that's sort of where I'm, what I'm coming to terms with now is that as a small business, we are probably going to have to 
raise capital of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. um, that could be debt capital, that could be angel investors. Um, but that's something that I think, so I, I can't say I've overcome that challenge, but I'm, I'm work. <laughs> at least my mind has gotten to the place where I recognize that that is probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, another challenge is just, once again, related to, to not having big budgets is, is just team members come and go, you know, mm-hmm. we can't, we can't always hold on to super talented people if they're growing at a faster rate than we are in the sense that, you know, whether that's a graphic designer or a photographer or a makeup artist that we partner with a lot at a certain point, they may then, you know, we can be a launching pad. And and I love to think that we can do that for Mm -hmm. some of our team members where they get some experience working with us at very low rates or uh, in a sort of a small sense and that we're a small brand. And then they get the skills and experience where they can take on bigger jobs at bigger companies. Um, and that's great for them, but not always good for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I, I, I hear you. But there is something nice about being that launching pad and being kind of that incubator where they first, you know, uh, kind of t- build their their skills and, and expertise. So you're, you're giving back in that way as well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. We certainly try to. Yeah. Um, what, tell me, what does being a leader mean to you and what are some leadership skills that you think you bring to your role as a co-founder? Something I've thought about recently is just how important it is to be positive, to be confident, to show how inspired you are every day by the work you're doing. And I don't think I recognize that as a value, I didn't understand how important all those traits were until I started my own company. So I think when I worked mm. for other people, I think you you instinctively respond um, to leaders who are uh, passionate about their work, but you don't always realize that maybe sometimes they're hiding their fears or they're you know not sharing the full story that they're that they're specifically portraying you know a positive slant and I, and I find that um, I'm a very transparent person I'm honest with everybody I really I'm I believe in in being vulnerable um, and being you know I think honesty is really important in in business and in personal relationships but that is something I've really learned is that if I'm gonna have a team of of young young people and they're all much younger than me um, I need to it's not. It doesn't really help them if I talk. Start talking about my fears and oh, you know, if we're going to make right. it or if I'm doing the right thing or, you know, is this campaign any good or is that product really? Is that going to be like, you know, nobody needs to hear that. You know, I think mm. we all do want to be human and accessible, um, but you do want a leader who is confident and positive, and so that is something mm. I, I really have been working on. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's an interesting perspective and 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 a good point, right? And and sometimes I think as as an entrepreneur, as a leader, it's our it's our role to kind of manage those fears and kind of not push them aside, but have this persona where you know there's a moment where we can be addressing fears heads on, and it might not be in a in a team meeting with our team present, right? We have to be that cheerleader for for the group often. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, and and speaking of that, actually, how do you, and and I won't, I don't think perfect balance exists, but how do you kind of stay grounded and, um, you know, ensure that you're you're staying sane throughout this process and you also uh, find time for, you know, yourself and and some type of personal life, I, I hope. 
Well, I mean, I think there's, you know, this is a very personal business for me and the relationships that I've built through, through the business have been really instrumental to my positive mindset and my happiness. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is even though I work a lot and I think about the business a lot, um, it's often very, it's, a, it's also really enjoyable and fun and there's incredible people that um, have been drawn to working with us. And like I said, I'm, it's important for me to be a human first, you know, it's, uh, and so I, I think that's a big part of how I stay grounded is just, is just being really focused on, on people and the people who, um, who I'm lucky enough to partner with, you know, so if we do a photo shoot and it's a long day and it's insane, I'm always, we're always going to have a meal together afterwards and sit down and chat and talk about something other than the work, you know, who, who people are and what their stories are and what they're interested in doing. And, you know, we all are so mm -hmm. multifaceted and I think it's really, I am love to talk to, you know, whether it's a makeup artist, a stylist, a photographer, anyone who are one of our models, you know, the stories they have and the lives they lead are endlessly rich and fascinating. So I want to know as much about all of them that I can. Um, and I think, you know, in the same way for me, you know, I actually, when I was a teacher, my first year teaching, and everyone says the first year is the hardest, uh, it was really hard. <laughs> and my mentor teacher said to me, you know, Laura, don't forget that, you know, think of your student's day is a pie and your and school is one slice of that pie. And then that English class that they're in with you for 45 minutes is like a sliver of a slice of a pie. Like you're not the most important thing to them. Like you can do your best and it matters. But, you know, if your class didn't go well today, it's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> it's not the end of the world, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I think that's really important is just like when we're so obsessed with doing something and I think most entrepreneurs are obsessed, you really lose perspective or, or it's easy to lose perspective. So for me, it's really important to keep that in mind. And everyone who works for the brand, I can't, A, I can't expect them to be as obsessed as I am, but B, their lives are, are rich and multifaceted and, and that contributes to the work they do and that needs to be honored. Um, and then as a parent, like I said, I do have two kids and yeah, they're teenagers, so I'm not hands-on in the way that parents of young children are, but it's still, you know, very involved in their lives and they live at home still. And so, you know, and I have a, a partner and, you know, like I'm, I have a life, um, I have an elderly father I take care of, you know, I've got lots going on in my life. So that kind of keeps me grounded. Mm, mm -hmm. Wise words. And I love the, the pie analogy. That's a, that's, that's a good one. Um, what's next for Fluid? What is, uh, what's on the horizon? New developments, new products maybe, or new, uh, new, new places where you might be selling the product, perhaps? Yeah, you know, we are working on getting into more stores. So that's exactly true. We're hoping, um, you know, we've, when we first started, we really envisioned the business as direct to consumer. And it was really about building an online community and building all, all sorts of like content and uh, creating an online space where people could come and feel welcomed and safe and explore gender expression and, gen and genderless beauty. Um, and then, you know, when stores started reaching out to me, it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I really hadn't thought that through. And, you know, not coming from the industry, I, I just, you know, I didn't have a model for what that meant. But um, that is something that we're growing and we're working more on. So, yes, I'm hoping that um, by the end of this year we'll be available in, in more stores. Um, we are in a chain of stores in the U.S. called Fuego and Attic Salt. They're in malls across uh, the Midwest and the West and the 
and the south, uh, southwest, I guess. Um, and there's about 50 of these stores and, and, you know, we're in all of them. And that's super exciting to think that, you know, somebody might just walk into a store and learn about us and we didn't have to find them through an online <laughs> channel. Um, and then, yeah, we're always coming out with new products. Um, so that is something that's really exciting is just thinking about what, what does our community want? What makes sense? Um, and what's the best product that we can create right now? So, so yeah, so that's a little bit under wraps, um, but we do have new products in development, new stores that we're talking to. So yeah, I think that, you know, by 2022, we'll be in a, in a very different place. Love it and wishing you the, the best of, of luck for everything that's coming up. And my last question, which is also my favorite question to ask guests, what do you wish women and non-binary people would do less of? I think that we should all do less self-doubt, you know, I think we spend more energy than we need to questioning ourselves um, and finding that, that sweet spot between, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living and, you know, questioning every move and, and not being somewhat paralyzed sometimes by fear or insecurity or, um, a whole host of, of things that might stand in your way. But I definitely think that um, self-doubt is something that I personally am trying to, to work on. I think a lot of us could. Mm, yeah, it's, a, that's a, it's always a tough one to crack. Well, thank you so much, uh, Laurie. It was a pleasure speaking with you, wishing you less self-doubt in the months to come and all the best with everything that you're building at Fluid. We'll stay tuned. Uh, to see uh, new developments in the near future. And thank you so much for speaking with me today. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandy's Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest.